and they they split the brain really they split the mind into um, um, altars into uh, with amnesic walls through trauma and torture uh, things like um, electroshock um, drowning um, rape a lot of psychological stuff and um, start splitting the brain so that they can take various parts of that that mind and program them for various tasks. Before we get into the show, I want to share with you the Z Stack, a powerful immunity building vitamin pack formulated by Dr. Zelenko, the founder of the Zelenko Protocol. Many of you may have seen my interview with Dr. Zelenko explaining how the combination of quercetin and vitamin C together is a powerful zinc ionophore gun which delivers zinc, the bullet, into the cell where the virus is. Zinc blocks the virus from getting into the cell. Quercetin and vitamin C together are a safe over-the-counter alternative to hydroxychloroquine. Access to this is needed when government restricts and bans effective treatments. Also, it has been established that high normal levels of vitamin D is important for warding off sickness and staying out of the hospital. With the dangers of the COVID shot, we need a strong immune system to keep from getting sick. The danger is getting sick. That's when the effects of the bioweapon shot takes over. The Z-Stack will provide you with a defensive weapon to fight a potential virus. You can see the studies and also buy yours today at the link below or at sarahwestall.com under shop. I also highly recommend C60 gel caps, daily zeolite detox, and my probiotic greens to maintain a healthy body, all of which you can get at my shop at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Elisa E. coming back to talk about the MK Ultra. I wanted to really dive into her experience. She's the one that had over 200 alters. I mean, can you imagine? So we're going to dive more into that and what that means. The more I think about the MK Ultra, the more I realize that this is probably the reason why we're seeing just completely absurd things going on that we can't explain and they continue. For example, I saw this chart from Max Egan and these are the numbers coming out of a specific university in Australia. They're tracking, they're actually tracking, so many people won't release these numbers, but they did. These are the weekly reports from November through December. It's a total of 2022 and they show that people who have the most doses of the jab are the ones who are most likely to be admitted for COVID. They, I don't know if they have COVID, they have whatever immune deficiency, but they're showing up for COVID, they're saying. But the numbers are astronomical for people who have four plus doses compared to people, people with zero vaccination rate are also the, have zero admissions for COVID. And the more you have doses, the more likely you're going to be in the hospital for COVID. In fact, if you had just one dose, they show six admittance and all the way up to four plus doses of 173 admittance. So just this one hospital, university hospital of people compared to one dose 
to four doses. I have this chart up so people watching on video can see it. Other people who are listening, hopefully you understand that. The thing is, is our government has these numbers too. This is what we're seeing everywhere. And they're still pushing the faith, the safe and effective. I mean, all over our media waves every day. If I turn on the radio, I'll hear an ad that's paid by our government, by NHS, you know, Fauci's previous organization, trying to get us to get vaccinated, even though they have these numbers. So you look at this, I would think the media has this numbers and they keep saying it. So maybe MK Ultra here really is what we're dealing with. You know, we, we hear all these victims. I believe them. It, it must be. I mean, our politicians are dead to this. They're zombies. How can we have so many zombies with these kind of numbers coming out? How, how can we be in this situation? It's like we're letting a person with a machine gun come in and and just aim at people and destroy people and nobody's doing anything. They're just watching it happen. And it's your own family members. It's really bizarre. And perhaps this is why. And, uh, you know, it's just about us learning and figuring these things out. We have to act. We can't allow the government to keep doing this to people. We're, we're, the government's killing people. And this is what's happening. And the doctors, they see these numbers too. I mean, at this point, they're either mentally controlled or they're stupid because it makes no sense. And uh, it's the only thing that can explain uh, that we don't have this many evil people, all the doctors and all the media people, their brains have to be controlled. And MK Ultra has evolved to the point where they can do things more to the masses. And so it's important that we understand what's all behind this. But we also have to stop it. I mean, this is becoming just absurd. And they have more plans for us. They have more ways that they want to hurt us. So we have to get smart fast and stop this. So anyways, I hope you enjoy this interview. She is just a fascinating lady with a ton of courage. Her book is absolutely fascinating. You can get her book at logosfia.com and I have the link below. Remember, this is a two-parter. It's long. It's hard not to talk to her for a long time because she has so much information. I had so many questions for her. This is the second time I interviewed her. I interviewed her just a few weeks ago and we did more high-level spiritual discussion. And now this is more her day-to-day, what she experienced, how they worked with her. And it's just incredible. So before we get into this, I want to remind you to make sure that you take care of your health. Make sure you're taking your immune builders, immunity builders, getting your vitamins, your minerals. Your I have that solutions doc I put together with Dr. Joe Nuzma. It's on the front page of my website, sarahwestall.com. Big picture of a woman sneezing. Go into that. You can see all the different things that we recommend. We keep adding to it. We haven't added a ton to it lately. It's more on how people can reverse the damage from the vaccine, the jab, the mRNA, the DNA changing treatment. It's it's not a vaccine. Also, make sure that you're preparing financially. If you have not gotten silver or gold, I mean, if you have a lot of assets and you're still sitting all in cash or all in dollar assets, you really need to get out of that. I recommend calling Miles Franklin. I have their contacts, just info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them that Sarah sent you. You'll get the best prices in the United States. Plus, you'll get wonderful service. No one complains. Everybody tells me they're great. 
I don't know what more you want than the best prices and the best service, and you can trust them. So I'm really happy with being able to send people to them because right now you need people that you can trust. They also have, if you have a lot of um, assets, they have a place you can store it to. And their uh, 401k program that they have, if you still want to be in with gold or silver, it's actually more affordable than most. I looked into it and compared it. Actually, I can't find anybody that's that less expensive than. I think just like I said, they're the least expensive and the best service. So Give them um, a ring or email them, info at milesfranklin.com. And let's get into this two-parter with the very courageous Elisa E. Hi, Elisa. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Sarah. It's good to be back. Yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, I'm so appreciative of the time that you're spending with us. I know that you're so busy at this time of year. And uh, last time we spent a lot of time talking more about spiritual and more abstractly. And I was hoping we could get more into some of the specifics so people understand just what you went through and what you saw. And again, I appreciate you so much spending this much time with us. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. It's, uh, it's good to get the word out. Well, you wrote this as they say, the most detailed account of your experience with MK Ultra. I mean, you know, I'm reading through your your books, and it's incredible. I I recommend everybody to read this. It's just so, it's fascinating, but it's also important. I got dogs too. Can you hear them? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I'll I'll delete that out. Um, it, it's. You know, and I think people will really get a lot out of this and maybe it'll help answer some of the things that we're dealing with. But I was hoping to kind of go through some of your chapters and just ask you more questions about them. But starting out, can you give people an an overall of what you dealt with? Sure, sure. Well, I, I came into the program. I was born in the early 60s. And um, it, uh, I have memories of, of uh, I had a, a full, full-blown memory, body memory of infancy. I'm not sure what was being done at the time, but um, so things started really early. Um, and what they do is, it well, my memories, what my memories suggest is that um, I was involved really early, even at the age of three, um, in some naval programming. Uh, meaning there was some men that were um, accessing me, working on me when I was three years old, and they were dressed in in navy denims. Uh, so what they do is they bring you in early um, through various branches of the military, meaning different military bases. Um, it also starts in the family. I had a very dysfunctional family. Uh, my father was definitely a pedophile, uh, so he began on me fairly early. And, um, and they, they split the brain really, they split the mind into, um, um, altars into, uh, with amnesic walls through trauma and torture, uh, things like, um, electroshock, um, drowning, um, rape, a lot of psychological stuff and, um, start splitting the brain so that they can, take various parts of that that mind and program them for various tasks and they have to start early uh, is my understanding that this needs to be done before the age of of six pretty consistently 
Um, and that has a lot to do with, I don't understand it fully, but it has a lot to do with the development um, and halting a lot of the development. Um, and of then, certain alters? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, as a person, you just don't develop. You don't emotionally develop like other people do. Um, that comes with deprogramming. It's like you kind of have to start start all over. Um, and then they they have various uses. Most most MK ultras that are used by uh, what I call high level people, meaning um, people that other people would the general populace would recognize or have some idea of who they are. Um, with those, usually they develop a lot of different skills through various alters. So there's not necessarily just one use. There's usually a multiple multiple uses through various alters. Um, well, when we see people like freeze or, or have those weird reactions to a word, is that an indication that they're an MK Ultra victim? You know, you see people on television or you see those clips, those video clips. Yeah, I definitely would say so. Um, and and, I, and it's ironic. I just have to throw this out. I won't go into all the detail, but there was a clip of um, it was Matt Lauer and a woman anchor and then this. Oh, gosh, I can't remember his name, um, African-American man. Um, and they were Gumball. asking, what's that? Know. It's not Gumball. It's the, yeah, it's, he's a little heavier set. Yes. Yes. And he froze. Uh, they, Matt Lauer and the other, other woman there were, were talking and they said some things and he froze and the irony for me was that what he mentioned, what Matt Lauer mentioned was Walking in Memphis, which was a song that I had been programmed with. Mm. And that was part of what he mentioned when this other anchor just froze staring at the camera with a very strange look on his face for a very long time. Yeah, and I remember two, that clip. Remember that's that one? Like, yes, that's probably the one that's in my mind the most. Yeah, and, and it's ironic that, that they mentioned a song that I was programmed with. Wow. So, so think, and is that, I, so that maybe he was, maybe, yeah, maybe he was programmed with the same, same thing. I don't know, but I, I've seen that both on a personal level and uh, with the freeze and also in, yeah, in the public. And, and yes, I would say definitely you're looking at programming there. And you would freeze as well with certain words. Well, um, I don't know that I would freeze as much as um, when things were to me, that's a sign of there's some problems with the programming. Okay. Uh, so if you're in full use, not necessarily, you might switch alters, but people may not even notice if it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but, um, you know, I call it the frontline system. Like there were several of us in the frontline system so that in that system, when I switched alters, it wouldn't really be noticeable to people. Um, it would just, it would, it would be a smooth transition. But when I see people like that freezing in, in public and so forth, that to me is a sign of programming breaking down something. There's a glitch, something's going wrong. It's not so supposed I, isn't he, isn't he kind of old to still be, doesn't as if people get older, their programs do tend to break down. It, yeah, it, it, it definitely does. Um, but I know people who, uh, or knew people that were 70 that were still, and there was program breakdown, but they were still being utilized. Um, and then they would get pulled like this one guy I knew he got pulled, um, taken back to, um, Walter Reed, as a matter of fact, 
um, he was out in Utah with me. Um, so, but the, the use, the usage now is totally extended. I mean, this can go on. I know several people who are in their 60s, 70s now, and they're still being used. And in the 70 year old person, though, the one that's close to 70, he does know, you know, that he's, he's being used, but um, no, they've extended it tremendously. How about some of these business people like Elon Musk or somebody else? Would you? My opinion is that this is my opinion is that Elon Musk is, is programmed. I've seen some footage of him where he was doing a very, very unusual eye movement that you, you actually couldn't do voluntarily. It was so, it was back and forth, left, right, super fast. And, and I mean, it's almost impossible to do that. So, and just his whole, I mean, he just, to me, seems like another front man. Um, So yeah, I would, I would guess that he is, he is programmed. Wow. Okay. And you, what would you say, this is somebody, somebody asked me this and I needed to make sure I asked you this before we get into some more details. What would you say is the characteristic that people can look for to see if somebody's programmed? Because a lot of our politicians and personalities, you know, media personalities, all those people that are on the front, from what I understand, a lot of them are programmed. What characteristics can we find and see that tells us that? Gosh, you know, that's really a tricky one, because like I say, if the programming is really intact, um, it's probably not going to be noticeable to the average person. Um, For me, a lot of times it's something I sense in there, something I'm picking up that's almost indefinable. Um, You know, it's I guess it's a, a takes one to know one kind of thing. I can recognize uh, whether in person or on screen, sometimes just eye contact. Um, it, it, there's, there's really, it's really hard to, to make a list. Although I, I will say this, there's a woman, a doctor, Ellen Lachter out of, I think she's out of San Diego. And she has, does have a site, endritualabuse.org. And she has a list in there of a variety of symptoms. It's a long list. And, and again, it's, it's tricky because, you know, you really got to have quite a few of those things to, to be certain that someone is, is programmed. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to define really, Sarah, um, other than the obvious, you know, somebody trancing out in front of the camera for five minutes, yeah. you know, um, then, then, you know, something's terribly wrong. And there's also, I don't know if people saw the footage of uh, Britney Spears being interviewed by a Diane Sawyer. I, I don't ago. remember that one. No. Nope. She switched on, on camera. Oh, she did. Full on, total per- different person. And then went back to the, her, the person that was sitting in the interview and started crying. It's on YouTube. It's still out there. I mean, it was a full switch. It was when the second personality came in, she was like, oh, you know, looking around like, oh, and she even said, oh, oh, hello, that kind of thing. Oh, I, mean, I remember that one. Yeah, yes, yeah, I remember that. I also saw Eminem do a um, a freeze on camera and got weird. Yeah, I haven't now, seen that one, but yeah, he was definitely, and his video was his video monster was extremely telling. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen that a few times. Um, so a lot of them, and yeah, I mean, Britney Spears, she did her, 
cloning facility video. I mean, it, it's amazing what what you know they're allowed to put out. Um, it I is think kind of amazing. It, yeah. Well, it makes it almost look like it's clownish and it's not real. You know, they put right. things that are they right. almost do that on purpose. I would think. So well, and also also indoctrination. There's been a long, slow indoctrination going on, and it's getting it's getting heavier and heavier now. I mean, they they'll pretty much show you anything now. And why they do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Uh, well, it, um, Michael Hoffman, Michael Hoffman the Third, I believe is his name, years ago wrote about revelation of the method, or the revelation of method, um, and it is part of. It's kind of again kind of difficult to explain it's part of not only do they think on some level that you know they're good to go in certain areas but it's almost a um almost a almost like a a law in the esoteric as if um they can reveal and when they reveal and we don't really make any changes or do anything about it or don't take it seriously. We've now, um, we've now become complicit and, and we consented. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we actually become complicit by avoiding it or, or, um, denouncing it when it's, it's, you know, brought right out into the open. And, and I believe myself very strongly on an esoteric level that empowers them to do what they do. So why do you think you were able to, why did your programming break down and why were you able to break out? Um, well, I think there are a lot of things that go into that. Um, I'm a big proponent of a lot of our life here in a certain incarnation as a result of many incarnations for one. Um, I think those prior incarnations play a much more significant role than, uh, than we recognize in, in a life. Uh, so there's that. Um, I had this in early deprogramming, I had this experience of confronting, um, well, it was, it was a being that was interacting with me, um, full consciousness actually, um, but in a non-physical way, it was in a non-physical form. And the reason I'm bringing that in, again, I can't get away from the spiritual aspect, but the reason I'm bringing it in is I had this understanding that um, kind of with my higher self was interacting with this being. And the gist of it was, uh, I've known you forever and you're done here. Um, it's time for you to, to leave. It's time for you to, um, not be able to do what you're doing here, meaning on a very large scale, not just with me, but, um, as if on some soul level, um, part of my incarnation experience this time is to assist along with, I believe many, many others that the beginning of that process of, um, changing what is here and what's going on here. Um, and you needed so, to experience it first in order to change it. Exactly. The goal was to come in, go all the way in it and come back out and then go forward from there um, in this incarnation before I leave the body. 
And I think that's true for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. But that that for me is in regards to to the mind control and, you know, what's really running all that. And it's it's a big as you know, it's 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 massive. It's global. It's been global for a long time. Um, It's industrialized. There was uh, I think it was Cliff High that was talking about adrenochrome one time and he used the term industrialized and that's really what it is. The whole mind control aspect is it's, it's a massive industry. Um, And it has of course more nefarious long-term implications, but I mean, it's, it's, it's big money. It's, and there's so many tentacles to it, you know, whether that's child trafficking or adrenochrome or um, cloning and transhumanism. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. So, so anyway, um, my spirit all along seemed to, I have had snippets of memory um, all through my life. It was as if I would be either in a programming session or out on task, as I call it in an altar. And I would have this moment of clarity, not maybe clarity is a little bit strong, have this moment of lucidity in the situation where my what I would call my stronger, higher, truer self would come through momentarily and take in what was happening just very briefly. And then I was gone again. And this happened quite a bit. And that's what first began showing up when I you know, got older and even before I found help um, outside help. Um, the, the pieces were were showing up. And I believe that there was some stronger part of me that was recording throughout my life so that later when the time was right when i was strong enough or the timing in the world was right um that i those pieces would show up and um and help me to start getting out so well it sounds like well you know i'm reading through the book your book is just absolutely fascinating and you were really being programming programmed heavily when you were little and then the teen years, were you being used a lot when you were little too, but was it kind of a combination of being programmed and used? I, yeah, more so when I was little. It really, uh, to me, the really significant stuff started happening in my teens. Yeah. Okay. And so little, when you're little, they're more programming you and then your teens, you're starting to be used. Now, why do they use kids in their teens? Is it the pedophiles like the young girl teenage? I mean, what is that? Well, you know, in my case, I mean, I was, I was a young, fit, attractive, blonde Florida girl with a suntan, you know, it was like, I mean, it just, it's amazing what someone like that can get access to. Yeah, I can imagine. Every, everybody trusts it, you know, for one thing. Um, but, you know, there, there, there wasn't just one range of years. I mean, even in youth, I was being used, but maybe in different ways. Um, and then as I got, you know, as I progressively got older, I was continued to be used. Um, do you have any pictures of yourself when you were younger? Well, it's interesting. Um, it's, this is a very sad thing to me. I had several photo albums, um, not all of it young, but some of my young, young pictures. And then through my teens, my twenties and, and, a couple of weeks before I would meet the two uh, two guys that helped me begin my deprogramming, um, I got a really, uh, really strong program 
to destroy everything. And I fought it for as long as I could. But about two weeks before I went to meet them, I destroyed everything, burned it, burned them up, tossed them in dumpsters, everything. So I had photo albums. I had journals uh, that I had been writing in and I, I got rid of those or believe it or not, I, I had a journal, the last one, the most recent one before I met these guys, I redacted it. I actually took black and redacted. Um, it was amazing when I went back and looked at it um, that I had selectively redacted things out and I didn't know what was, you know, what was in there. So, um, and not having contact with my family since what, 2008. Um, no, I don't, I don't, but it's really interesting. I did, I, I put two pictures in the book, but those are, those are at the latest in the nineties. But recently, uh, it's funny you mentioned this. I went online. I was actually looking at the weather channel and um, uh, uh, weather.com or something. And they have all these ads on the right-hand side. And an ad came up about yearbooks. And it was my high school because they obviously know, you know, they track everything. They knew I was online. And I just clicked on it. And I just recently got a... Um, a partial yearbook. It's like a reprint of a partial. And there's a picture of me in there at 17. And um, I was willing to pay whatever, you know, to get yeah. this yearbook. And so now I have a picture of me at 17. And it's pretty potent to look at something like that now. Do you, um, can you send that to us so I can post it? Um, I can, but you'll have to wait till I have access to, um, I don't have all the tech that most people have until I have access to a scanner. I okay. plan on scanning it eventually and then I'll um, I'll send it over. Okay, I'd but appreciate that. I think it's just amazing that. to look at it because it's it's hard to you know, it's kind of challenging to to talk about this in the right way, but it's as if I didn't exist back then. I have no photos. I have I couldn't find anything for years and there's another yearbook from my high school years that I had access to online uh, several years ago. And it, you know how they have all the pictures with your names in the back, yep. you know, the seniors, the juniors and all. Well, I went to my year, I think it might've been a sophomore year and they had my name listed and there were, my picture wasn't there and there was no blank space. Oh, weird. And it just kind of reinforced that feeling of, I, I didn't exist. I mean, what was my life? You know, that yeah. it was kind of a bizarre experience. But so when I see, uh, when I saw this picture, it, it's very moving for me because, um, I mean, I recognize myself, um, but it was, it's like, it's another person. It's just, it's just wild. Where was your mother through this? Well, I believe my mom was MKUltrad. Um, she, it seems like her, possibly her role, it was never a, a genuine mother daughter relationship. It, it, it felt kind of more like, um, um, like I was her confidant type thing when she needed to talk about things. And I do believe she was MK ultra. Um, I have, um, one or two very uncomfortable, uh, partial memories with her in situations that I just can't quite explain. Um, and so I think part of her role was uh, to kind of 
pick me up when when things were really rough, uh, kind of be there behind the scenes, not consciously. I, I do believe she, I know she avoided knowing anything that was going on, for example, um, the sexual abuse in the household. And, and um, she had ways of trying to cope with it, I believe. And there was, there's one, I won't, I won't say who on here. I, I kind of like to keep my family out of it if I can. But she was involved with a political figure that um, having an affair with him and he did fall from grace before he was able to uh, obtain a higher office. And I've always wondered if somehow she was part of that unwittingly um, but being used almost like um, almost like a presidential model, but not um not used in that capacity, I don't think, throughout her life, just um, kind of a, a lower, lower level, uh, lighter level of that use. But really with the family, if you've got a, a mind control victim, especially what I call high level, when I say high level, I think I explain that. It just means the, the people that have access to you um, would be considered high level. Um, and when you have someone like that, you have to have the whole family in the deal because if you don't have the family in somebody's going to notice for sure yeah you know i mean you can't have a you can't have someone disappearing and and being taken off and brought back at strange hours and um all this bizarre you know um repercussions and consequences of use um you know it would it, someone in the family would know so you have to have a highly highly dysfunctional family and most likely you're going to have to have other mind control victims in there. They may not be the focus of, um, for the perpetrators, but you know, like you, there's usually one person in the family that they really focus on. And then the others kind of have to shore that up. That's how I see my family. Why were you guys picked? Why were you picked? Is there a, um, any characteristics that, you know, that causes you to be picked? Well, um, that's a really good question. Uh, there have been times, Sarah, that I think my parents were even brought together. Um, I don't know if that's true. There's no way to prove that. Uh, but that there was even influence there to bring them together. Um, it is, it is when I look at both sides of my family, um, paternal and maternal, there's some interesting bloodline connections there. Um, and then both sides also have Navy connections, which could be another instigator in that. And of course, if you have a member of the family that's a pedophile, a, a, you know, a parent that's a pedophile, that's a big red flag. I mean, that's what they look for. Um, so it can start, believe it or not, it can start, you know, pre-birth, uh, preconception. They can pick out people that they want for whatever reason and, um, and design you know, basically design the, the child that they want. And I'm, I'm the only girl in the family. I have two brothers and um, that may have been part of it, you know, for what they were looking for at that particular time. I don't know. Um, but there's really, really not, unless you're in a, in a satanic ritual abuse family, who's heavy duty bloodline that may be explained to you along the way, but short of that, um, it can be, sometimes it can be difficult to determine exactly why and exactly 
you know, what exactly what the reasons are. Well, you talked about your teen years of having unhappy birthdays. I mean, there's a lot of things you talked about, but unhappy birthdays and then female, not a woman. Can you talk about those? Sure. Um, in my teens, there were birthday celebrations that were um, connected to programming and ritual abuse. Um, and um, and then the, the female, not woman, uh, was, in from my perspective, was part of, I would say that's actually part of kill programming to... Uh, to take away that, that human uh, feminine aspect. Um, one of the things for the kill altars is um, trying to make them kind of as cold and hard as you can. Uh, I had a lot of, a lot of programming that was to take that human aspect out of me, whether it was to tell me I was a female rather than a woman, meaning that's colder. That's, that's, um, it, it can be it can be seen as more um you know uh woman has that warm creative energy to it when you think of a woman when you think of female it's very what's the word i'm looking for um unattached. almost what's that unattached yeah and almost scientific you know you're a female you're not a woman and in one very particular i, I think the one you're referring to uh episode it was very clear to me in that state, in that altar, that I would never have that life that a woman would have. I would never have husband and children. And so it was like, you're female and you have a purpose and this is what you're going to do. And um, there was a lot of that coming at me for certain altars in different ways. Um, it's just incredibly cruel. I just, these people are so cruel. So um, that when you're 18, you the torture programming and uh, you yeah. talked about the mormons and stuff now what do you mean by the torture and the programming um at 18 well uh, there was a very particular episode um meaning they're they're torturing to create the splits so you're being traumatized but it, it can take the form of out and out torture because really what they're looking for is to push you into, um, from my perspective, this is how it works, to push you into that most primal state. Um, you're, not, you're not considering whether you're going to split. You know, it's not something you're consciously uh, considering, should I split, should I not split? And that doesn't come into it. It's, it's, like, a, it's like being in the water with a shark, okay? You, it's swimming around you. You go into that primal state of survival and you split it's something that happens um not something that you contemplate or think about whether you should do so it's a very primal thing so to reach that state they want to utilize trauma and torture so did um, they do they did a lot of your altars when you're young but they kept doing creating more and more altars why do you think they did that um as you got older uh, well, um, I think a lot of the, the splits were created in, in youth and, and well into my teen years. But after that, I, I don't think, I don't think they were generally, I don't think they were creating a lot of altars. I think what was happening is you have to keep reinforcing programming. Okay. So, and then to, um, 
to assist in that, like even in the programming session, like say they put you in a room, you're in altar and they put you in a room and you're getting your instructions, then there's probably going to be some form of trauma or torture, uh, whether it's electroshock or, or what, to kind of seal that in. So, so as I get older, it's more about very particular tasks. Um, sorry, I'm looking to see what the dog's chewing because he's crunching on something. And I... Okay, I think we're, I think we're okay. <laughs> sorry, I, I lost my train of thought. You wanna... Well, let me, yeah, let me ask another question. So okay. when you got into your 20s and, and you're, you know, 18 on kind of thing, you started talking about a lot of killing and sex. Is yeah. that the role they wanted for you, do you think, from the beginning, is to be this beautiful, you know, young, tan, blonde that goes in and takes advantage of men and has sex? Yeah. And, yeah. And now, what kind of men did you kill the men that you had sex with or were you just gave, gave you access to have kill to kill or what was the whole deal there well i've i've had memory surface of yeah very particular individuals i mean there were definitely instances where um there was no i wasn't involved in killing someone though there was a sexual encounter but a lot of the a lot of the memories that surfaced um started as sex and end up with um one of my altars or more i have more than one um taking the life of the person that i was engaged with it seems as though most of my memories of that were individuals that were in the know so I came to this conclusion, whether it's correct or not, but after several memory surfacing that I seem to have been used to take out members of, of their network that were no longer desired. So they could present me as a sexual encounter and they wouldn't know that what was gonna follow that. And then there were episodes where I was involved with other people, groups, uh, what I call team kills where there was a whole scenario set up and um and i may or may not have been the person that that did the actual killing but i was part of a a, a team so there's solo use individual use and then team use so uh what were the people in the network that you killed were they people who were behind the scenes that were also doing things like what you were doing or were they actual business people I and mean, what were they well, I don't know, um, actually. I mean, my altars only had the information they needed to have to do what they needed to do. So I didn't necessarily, um, I didn't necessarily even know, you know, who they were. In other words, the altar may or may not even know that, that they were part of a network. It was just very, um, it's very sequestered, very compartmentalized in, in, in my memories it's very clear when I'm reliving that alters life. Sometimes I get really strong, strongly that they really, there's a lot of stuff they don't know. There's much more they don't know than what they do know. So it's as if in the programming for those, it's very, uh, especially for kill alters, it's just very systematic. It's very, um, it's cold, it's cut and dried. It's not, um, you know, there's not, I don't, my alters don't ask questions. 
those alters don't ask questions. They're told what they need to be told. And that's that. They just go do it. Yeah, they just do it. So there were even cases where there was a very, um, very strange process of in one episode um, that I wrote about in the book, Bodies on the Beach is the title of it. And it was very, I mean, you have to understand for me, I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't know Freemasonic practices or ritual. I didn't understand all this. Um, and when I, um, when these memories started to surface, particularly this one, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why this altar had done what she had done with the bodies. Um, it was very, uh, what did she do? Well, they were, um, it, I, I believe it was out on the West coast in California and she had, um, she had taken the bodies down to the beach. It was, you had to drop off this like 45 degree drop down to the beach and the bodies were, um, there were ropes around the neck and they were in a, a shallow area must've had, there must've been, what do you call it? Um, like a little cove. Um, so it was very small lapping waves. And then the rope was tied up to like a steel rebar that had been sunk into the sand. So they were at the shoreline and this is how the bodies were left. There were two and someone was brought out from their house, the back of their house to be shown these bodies. And this altar who is a pretty amazing altar. I mean, some of these things, it's really, really bizarre, their abilities and their skills and so forth. Um, but even she, she didn't, she wasn't in the know of why all that was taking place. She was just instructed to do it that way. And it would be years, years later that I would discover in um, actually one of David Icke's books, um, he talked about, you know, that Freemasonic aspect of you hanging them over water. Um, and there was a, a, a high level Italian case. I forget the guy's name, uh, where they hung him under a bridge over the river. And when I read this about this case, I realized that this was to send a message. This was a Freemasonic um, message being sent to someone else, um, by leaving the bodies at the water's edge with the rope around their neck and having them, they were kind of, um, rocking, gently rocking in the shore, shore water. But my altar didn't understand all that. She didn't need to know all that. All she needed to know was this is what she needed to do. She just needed to do it. Well, yeah. did you, did you ever get connected? Did any of your altars ever get connected to somebody they were sleeping with and and became emotionally connected did any of my altars get connected yeah. to someone oh yeah, yeah. and then later another altar would kill them and was there conflict between altars mm. there was one case um and i'd rather not say the person even though i do reveal it in the book i I'm, I'm reluctant to spend much time on this person anymore. I do believe this person's programmed as well, but it appears as though I was programmed to this person with two different altars. One was totally devoted to him 
And then the other one was a kill altar that apparently had a kill program to him um, that never took place, thank God. Um, but there was a an episode, and, and I have to qualify this. This is going to sound probably really odd to people, but I don't know if I actually ever even engaged this person in the physical. Um, I don't know that all of this wasn't just programming, but I was under the belief in these two altars that were both sexually involved with um, this person. And I'm not sure that's even the case. And that may seem odd um, that I wouldn't know that, but that's that's the power of programming. I was never able to figure out whether we we actually had physical meetings or contact or, you know, at the very least sexual encounters. Um, so yeah, there was, there was a real tug between those two, uh, one that was very devoted. And then the other one that, um, had already had a, a kill program installed for possible future use and, and never took place. Thankfully. Were they aware of each other? No, okay. I mean, I don't think so. No. And, and the one devoted to him was unaware of almost everything. I mean, she was just totally innocent and. Um, the kill altar may have been aware of several other altars of ours. I'm not sure. Um, but yes, there are altars placed in that are very aware of, of other altars. And in some cases, those are designed to help handle the other altars, to keep them in line or to keep an eye on them. Um, there's something called a reporting altar and all high level at the very least, all high-level slaves have one, which is an altar that reports on any activity that falls outside of programming and will report back to the handlers and um, even sometimes on a daily basis. When you were going through this, did you um, ever question, I mean, you just talked about the fact that you didn't really know some things were true or not. How did you know whether it was something that was programmed or whether it was something that really happened? 